Suzanne to come up and join me. That's why we have some chairs up here today. And, and we're going to talk about a topic that I don't think often the church likes to really talk about, especially the church. You know, there's different styles. I was raised in a liturgical church, and it was fine, and it was good, and, um, but it was not necessarily energetic, um, which is fine and good. Some, that, that resonates with some people. Um, but especially in a church that is a church that, that is kind of a, like say, this idea of, of energy and we're, you know, we want to worship and, and God is good and we're going forward and it's happy. And um, we don't like to talk about suffering very much in that group. That we come together and we go, no, it's all supposed to be rainbows and unicorns in life and happy and, and uh, we just want to celebrate and worship. Well, we find out in life that, that that's just not life. And so suffering is real. And so we want to talk about suffering today. When we're talking about suffering, we're not just, we're going to talk kind of today is going to be focused kind of on physical suffering, but, but this is, there's all kinds of suffering that goes on um, in the world. And, and there's especially some suffering that's unique to Christians, some suffering that because you're a Christian, uh, things go against you in this world. And so we want to talk about this idea of suffering. And, and I want to start today by just briefly, and I'm going to just talk for a few minutes, briefly looking at something the Apostle Paul said about suffering, and then I'm going to invite Suzanne and Robin to come up and join me. And uh, so if you have a Bible, turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. Because it's a unique, it's interesting. The reason I'm turning, we've talked to all kinds of places in the Bible about suffering. But I want to turn here because Paul, the Apostle, kind of talks about suffering, in a, he puts it in a positive light. And I want to look at, so Philippians chapter 3, Verses 7 to 11, you got your phones powered up there and your Bibles opened up? Philippians 3, verse 7 says this, But whatever things we gain were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. And Paul's talking about all the things he had in the world, that he was a very successful religious man with a great pedigree. And he says, he just went through the verses before talking about all those things that the world thought was important. Um, and he says, all those things... I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. So I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish or garbage. Some of yours actually say dung, so that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, I started here because I want to point out just two things that Paul says about suffering before I bring Suzanne in and Robin up here. And the first one is this. Suffering is normal. Suffering is normal, and according to Paul here, it's an expected part of the Christian life, that all humans are going to suffer. And the reason I point this out is, is, is because sometimes there's a misconception in Christianity that if I'm walking in a right relationship with Jesus then he will spare me from all sufferings. I'll always be healed. Everything will always go good. It always turns out roses in the end. And Paul is saying that's not true. He says, I, 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 I love the power of his resurrection, but I'm also in the fellowship of his suffering, and I'm conformed to his death. 
you know, Paul shows that it's a false idea to say that everything just always turns out perfect. He said he suffered the loss of all things as he came to know Jesus as his Lord. Suffering loss was part of Paul's journey with Jesus, and it's often the case in our lives as well. So I want us to just understand that before we start our conversation today, that suffering is, is normal in the Christian experience, and it's not a sign that somehow you must be doing something wrong in your life, because if you just prayed right, if you just had enough faith, if you just, you know, you believed right, if you went to church enough, that somehow you wouldn't suffer anymore. It's not true at all. Paul says, I love the power of his resurrection, but I also understand I'm part of the fellowship of his suffering, and I'm being conformed to the, to the, to the death of Christ. The second thing I want to point out about suffering is this, that coming to know the reality of the power of Christ's resurrection Paul says is tied to experiencing the fellowship of his sufferings. The message of Christianity, if you want to say what, what's the Christian message, it's really this, from death springs life. That's Christianity, from death springs life. And God shouts the message all the, all the time at us. We made a joke earlier about winter coming and summer. Do you understand just the seasons are God's way of shouting that message? Because from death, winter... Spring's life, spring. Every year, God's shouting it to us. So many times I sit in my office and I look, and I look at the trees outside in whatever season they're in, and I go, God, you're just constantly trying to shout to us this message that, it, you know, the, the leaves, I one time calculated because I like summer more than the winter, and the leaves were on the trees here only about a little over five months, and then they were gone. So for the majority, 12, seven months, it was kind of death, but out of death springs life. And that's, that's the message from, that's Christianity, from death springs life. There's a pattern, life, death, resurrection. That's Christianity, life, death, resurrection, and suffering is part of death, so it's part of the Christian life. And, you know, we could take a whole hour and preach about that this morning, um, this, uh, this idea that from death springs life, it's Christianity. Living in the reality of Christ's resurrection power is tied to the life of suffering. So I want to end just with, with one thought. Then I'm going to bring our ladies up. We're going to talk about this one thought, and then I'll explain what we're going to do after that. John Ortberg says this. If you ask people who don't believe in God why they don't, the number one reason will be suffering. They'll say, because people suffer in the world. How can there be a God? But if you ask people who believe in God when they grew the most spiritually, the number one answer will be suffering. That's, that's when they grew the most. And so I'm going to invite Suzanne and Robin to come up here at this time. Come on up here, gals. That's the right thing. I'm going to give you this microphone. Let the beautiful ones sit on my right. I will be the, ro the thorn among the roses here. And so I try to position us so you can, all, you can all see us. And so I just read a quote from Ortberg, John Ortberg, and he said this. If you ask people who don't believe in God why they don't, the number one reason will be suffering. And if you ask people who believe in God when they grew the most spiritually, the number one answer will be suffering. Now before we, because you're going to tell your story in a minute, 
I want you two, and let me explain why Suzanne is here. You're going to get Robin's story. And very briefly, Suzanne said, don't talk about me at all. But the reason I have Suzanne up here, a lot of you are from our church family, you know, Suzanne has two different neurological disorders. And they're, they're incurable. Um, God's going to heal them, we hope. Um, but like Suzanne right now, you don't know it. She led worship for you today with an excruciating headache because she's got a whole bunch of her ribs out of place. Um, her ribs, she's got something called Ehlers-Danlos, and it causes her ribs to dislo- or all her bones to dislocate in her body all the time. And so she's right now sitting here with, um, and if I'd ask her, she'd tell you, she's in a lot of pain. Um, her ribs are all dislocated. Her clavicle's dislocated. Last week, they had to go to the doctor, and her manubrium, I didn't even know there was a bone called a manubrium. You know what you have in a manubrium, John? It's, in your, it's right here in your sternum. It was dislocated and turned sideways and over here, so all the rest of the bones were dislocated in her, in her rib cage. But it's not just her ribs. So Suzanne deals with this all the time, and she's got something called POTS, which is a heart thing, so her, her heart doesn't function right. Uh, neurologically, so she's on all kinds of medications for that. And so she loves when I say these things. But, um, but I've never personally, because I, I live with her, walk with somebody who walks through suffering with such grace, and no one else ever knows that, that you guys come here every week and you all ask and ask and ask for her, and, and she loves that. And she's serving and she's doing anything, but you don't know she's usually dying in pain. We walk out of here, and she basically is just dead in pain. Um, and so that's just, that's her life, and it's been her life that way for many years. And so... The two ladies sitting here understand suffering. Robin's going to tell her story in a minute. You're going to get a better picture of it. But Robin has gone through more suffering than any person I've ever met with, and, and had a great attitude in the whole thing. And so this, this comment from Ortberg, that's why I'm ask, asking you guys, and, and we're going to focus mostly on Robin today. But um, the second half of it, he says, if you ask people who believe in God, when they grew most spiritually, the number one answer will be suffering. Is that true in your lives? When I told Robin and Suzanne, I want them to be brutally honest with us today. Don't lie to us. Don't talk Christianish. Be honest. Is the number one time that you've grown, spirit, grown spiritually in your life in times of suffering? Robin, what do you think? And, and you have to pull that microphone right up here when you talk. Up. In, in times? Yep. Yeah. It is speaking though. Yes, it's in the times that I've been... Uh, the most incapacitated that I've heard God the most. Would I give up those times? No. So you, and you say this, you said this word, in those times I feel God the most. Yes. You, you can honestly tell us there's a tangibleness, a reality to the presence of God in those moments. Yes. Uh, I don't know that I would have heard him and felt him in that way had I, I not been in a place that I was not there. Okay. And wouldn't you say, because um, Robin and I have talked quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it is true that in the suffering we experience him um, in very special and meaningful ways. Um, but also you, you have the days where you're like, where, where are you? Yeah. And I think part of the reason that you experience, you know, that we, we feel that overwhelming presence and that overwhelming uh, need being met is because of the desperation of the days leading up to it. Where you're saying, and you and I both have had this conversation, like, I can't take it one more day. I don't, you know, if this is, 
the pain I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. I really don't, I, you know, <laughs> the, the scripture, um, to live as Christ and to die as gain. We know yes. the heaven's on the other side, yes. you know, but you still have the days where you're like. You have to wake up again. Right. And how do you wake up each morning with courage to face the day now and do the best you can in it? Each day, every day, again and again and again. I remember one day, Robin, one of the one of the many many times we've been hospitalized, and I was in there and and you had, had there was a time you had I think the right before back surgery last time, and um, you were laying on your side in the bed and you were just in excruciating pain, and I kneeled down I was kneeling on my hands and knees next to the bed looking you right in the eye, <laughs> and I asked you that question I said can you and I, I said I said I'm not asking this. I'm, I said, I'm coming, for you. I'm coming to you for help right now. Is that crazy as that sounds? I said, I said, help me understand. Do you, uh, can you honestly tell me God is in this moment? And you said, oh, Mark, I couldn't make it through this moment yes. without God. And you were in one, it was one of your most difficult moments. You said, I couldn't make it through this moment. His that he's the only reason I love. make it. Yes, his grace and love are indeed sufficient. And so, and so with that being said, how foolish are we? And you guys might go, well, that's, that, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Um, how foolish are we in kind of our, our cultural way that we do everything we can to avoid suffering? So the, the, so the reality is most people, the reason that they run continually, um, they never stop is because they don't want to really think. That's just, the, that's America. You don't want to really think because if you think, you deal with the reality of your life and a lot of people just aren't happy with their life. The reason that people drink excessively um, is because they don't deal, deal with it. You know, the reason everybody's pushing, and I believe this, legalization of marijuana. Why? Because if I, I know a lot of people who smoke pot. I smoke pot all the time. Well, then I feel, if somebody does that, they feel it, it takes away, it numbs, it takes away the reality. That's what it really does. It takes away the reality. We are masters as human beings. If I, just, if I go shopping, I buy something. We're always avoiding reality, but that is really avoiding suffering. And so what do you, what's your comment about that? If you're saying in suffering you actually experience Jesus, are we robbing ourselves of things? When I um, was in a comatose state almost, uh, after my husband found me cold and blue, he just comforted me with a song, uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And, um, and that song played over and over and over and just comforted me from the whole surrounding. That um, you want to experience things like that have you not been in that suffering place, that his comfort is so alive and so there. Um, something's so normal to me and other people have not, not experienced it, so maybe it sounds kind of nuts, but it's just he's there, he's alive, mm. it's real. Well, I, and I, I think part of the reason it's so real is because you've embraced where you are. You know, you've embraced all the physical suffering and the emotional and, and the spiritual of saying, you know, okay, God, where are you in this? And I'm trying to find you in this. Um, and actually at the fort, Dave and you and Mark and I were talking the other day and, and um, one of the last times I preached, I talked about how the Lord had really challenged me about embracing the season that I was in this and, and the Lord had very clearly told me I'm taking you into a season of suffering. Well, that's like three years ago now. And, um, it's very hard to embrace where you are because you can fight it. 
you can you like you said you can fill it with watching tv and eating food and being busy and you know d doing stuff for other people and all of those things but until you allow yourself to just sit with jesus and say i invite i invite you into this and i choose to embrace you in it then you can't even sit and enjoy the turn your eyes upon Jesus. You can't even sit and and and, I've, and enjoy is not the right word, but you can't you can't appreciate those moments because you're trying so hard to fight it and to resist the thing that that he, for whatever reason, has allowed. He's not brought it. He's not caused it, but he's allowing you to walk that path of suffering. And unless we embrace it, then we can't, we're not going to see him glorified in that, in us or for others. So all this idea of suffering is real, you guys are going through it. Some people don't know your story. Right. And so we're going to take about 10 minutes and Robin's going to share her story. I told her, I said, you got to compact. I said, since so we've known Robin, for, we've known Robin for a little over 10 years. And we don't know Robin outside of suffering. A lot of you do. We don't know Robin outside of suffering. Um, for the 10 years, a little over 10 years we've known you, it has been surgery, 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 um, you know, pain. A couple times, they thought you are going to be, you'd make it. I remember the one time I was in a hospital with you when you recovered after a comatose right. state. And, uh, and I was the first person you saw. I thought, oh, poor, poor girl, you know. <laughs> and I had to tell her where she was, what time it is, how long she had been, you know, basically in a coma all this stuff she had no idea and then Dave walked in and I made some something about talking to Robin and he's like really well that's kind of funny and he because he thought I was being sarcastic and I said no I'm talking to her he's like what she's awake you know and so um you've been going through this but some people don't know your story so Robin has some slides she's going to use to tell her story and I told her she's got to go through them quick yeah so so she's going to go through the slides quick so explain tell us your story and then we're going to keep talking about suffering okay all right so share Sometimes the Lord uh, calms the storms of life, and sometimes he lets the storms rage and calms his child, and I'm kind of in that second one. Um, I've, I've, I've always been a child of God. Um, uh, even as a, as a young one, the, connect, or my, the umbilical cord ripped. I was a, uh, born pretty much lifeless. Uh, then they found out I'd hydrocephalus. I should have been uh, retarded. Um, but, but God, so there I sit, and um, next one. Um, I was an ICU nurse. We had a lovely family. Everything was good. And uh, what else could happen, right? Next. Um, as, as an ICU nurse, sometimes uh, you get judgmental about things, and I didn't understand depression. Family members had it, and I thought, you're not even trying to help yourself. And, um, well, what sometimes you judge, you get a chance to live, and I did. And the more I ignored it, the worse it got. And in in a in a decade, I lost everything. Um, many people don't know that, but I was trained to depression. And in a moment, at a meeting, uh, the Lord healed me, and uh, everything turned that was dull turned bright. And um, I go home and I have to tell my Lutheran husband about this healing and. I'm a little nervous about that, and the Lord was very clear. He shall be thy witness, and you shall testify. So 
I said, well, I don't really tell, I want to tell him, and it came again. He shall be thy witness, and you shall testify. So I did, and things uh, just got so much better for me, but then judgment came back to me as a person that's been uh, diagnosed with a psychiatric illness. But um, in, in since then, despite prednisone, all this, uh, it's happened to me that depression's never come back, ever. Next. Um, but what did happen after that is uh, breathing was such an issue. Um, I ended up on huge doses of steroids to try to keep my airway open. Uh, they were treating asthma, and um, asthma that I didn't have. Um, and in that time, uh, it was a place of nothingness. And as I draw close to the Lord, he was close to me. That was a time of great growth there even though it looks pretty terrible with bad hair day. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And because of the huge doses of steroids, uh, there's a side effect called avascular necrosis. It's a bone death uh, of your weight-bearing joints. And um, all four of mine, both hips, both shoulders. Um, I had to have joint replacements of both hips, both shoulders. And um, more surgeries after that. And um, it was from treating the asthma, which I really didn't have. Think that makes one bitter? Yes, a little bit. Next. <laughs> uh, those were the hip replacements and the joint replacements. Had ended up with uh, six uh, surgeries in this arm, two in the other, um, from joint sepsis, things like that. Um, and would it have been necessary? Probably not. Okay, next. Um, after that, um, I ended up with uh, what's called tracheobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiobronchiob
four months I was in inpatient that year, and the people from Portview came to visit me. It's always good. Distraction is good. Fun is good. <laughs> Next. Um, this is uh, what's kind of happened in this last year since April. Is uh, Pseudogout has hit these hands. It's calcium crystals. And um, first one hand, then the other hand, then both hands. And it's left this one kind of uh, needing therapy. Um, but it's getting better. So next. So this is my last one. I had to have cataract surgery. And um, this is, uh, I go into the St. Joe's at 5.30 in the morning. And um, I, I pick a card out of those little chaplain cards off the registration desk from the back of the box. And this is, it, it said, Jesus said uh, to him, receive your sight and your faith has healed you. As I come in for cataract surgery. <laughs> now what is the chance that I would pick that card I thought, oh, Lord, you're so good to me. Um, and my friend, Sarah, uh, ended up to be my nurse that day. Uh, so there's been so many horrible things and so many lovely things in the midst of it. And almost every time I've been sick or in the hospital, there's some nurse uh, or someone that it needs to be ministered to as well. Um, so who's, who's nursing who? So that's a lot of the... And he said, just keep standing at times when I've not even been standing, um, keep standing. So here I walked up here, and I'm starting to stand again. Yes. All right. <laughs> but God, right? But God. <laughs> so let's, a few more, a few questions. You've gone through more things. I mean, you just took five or seven minutes and went through, you know, year, 10 years of, of stuff. And every one of these could expand it. Whenever I see you, because I don't know if everybody knows what this is. Does everybody know uh, what this is? So this, this is what this Robin is, does. This is a little love. That's how she, she says, like, love. So she goes like this. She goes like this. Put your hand on, honey. She goes like this. Yeah. When so my junior like high godson. Well, their fingers would do that. She'd yeah. do that to you. My junior high godson so, wouldn't hug me anymore, so we do this. <laughs> so every time... Um, I go by Robin. She's always going like this. And in all the times I've been with you, we've talked about honestly your situation, but I've never heard you complain. You've had a good ask, ask my husband, <laughs> right? And and I know, and, and I know. I think you said something to Suzanne this summer about uh, like a thousand different faces or something like that. Maybe you guys should talk about that. But how do you? Number one, is it important to maintain a good attitude when you're going through suffering? And how do you do it? Well, it's okay to be mad. You know, it's okay to be human and, and just, um, but just don't stay there. Is not staying there an act of the will? Choice. Yes, it's a choice. choice. Choose life. Well, Absolutely. and I think it's, a, it's a, a spiritual discipline that has to be developed in us as Christians that we, we, first of all, have to understand this is how I'm feeling, and two, to then sit down and say, okay, Lord, you know, I'm really, I'm really angry right now. I'm really angry that I can't get up and do X, Y, Z. And I know you're big enough to t handle that. And so you need to help me. You know, I know you say you're my healer. I know you say my, you're my prince of peace. I, you know, I, can, I, I know that I don't need to fear that, that no matter what comes at me, it's not going to overcome me. I know, you know, we know the truths 
which I'm going to say, this is why you need to know your Bible. These are the times you need to know scripture because it's what the Lord uses to encourage you, but it's also the way that you use to encourage yourself when you don't feel like he's there. And so the spiritual discipline of saying, I can't stay here. Because some days it'd be easy to stay there, wouldn't it? It'd be easier just to stay in bed and just be like, don't talk to me. Just take everybody, everybody take care of yourself, (laughs) you know, and I'm just staying here. But you can't stay there, you know. If you ever hear me singing the song, the little Vacation Bible School song, I've got the joy, joy, joy out of my heart, it's because I don't have it. (laughs) See, it's because what? Right. That's an important, really important statement. Um, A lot of things, so spiritual disciplines, so worship is a spiritual discipline. Um, Singing, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart, that is a spiritual discipline. Um, You know, prayer, spiritual discipline, giving is a spiritual discipline, Um, meditating on scripture is a spiritual discipline. And one time, sometimes what we don't understand is we think we do those to learn or something. The main reason we do those things is to form ourselves. And so to, to say what is true, even if it doesn't feel true, because if we say what's true, even if we don't think it's true, what happens is we, we begin to be formed in the truth. And so when you're going through a hard time, you're saying, when it, when it seems impossible, you sing you know, a, a little kid's song. Yes. And that's become a spiritual discipline for you. And in, in doing that, what I'm hearing you saying is what it does then is it brings you in line with the truth because you're kind of functioning over here where, where it's not feeling like truth. Reality's not feeling with what we know to be true about God. And so you're, say, you're saying what I know is true, it's a discipline. You know, um, Scripture talks about Colossians 3, think on these things, things that are above. Mind discipleship is the most important discipleship there is, what we think in our mind. And so in the middle of suffering, what you're saying is, if I think, I've got to force myself, i got to make myself think on the right things. Because what happens if you think on the wrong things? You you can just feed right into that. Right, right. And I was going to say, just for clarification, and I'm sure we all understand that in here, but it's not saying denial. No. It's not saying, I'm just going to get up today and pretend that everything is, you know, I've got it all together and I can do X, Y, Z. Because the church world makes that mistake, especially in Pentecostal history, all the time. Don't say a negative confession. What a bunch of nonsense. Right, and even in the the scriptures that talk about serving one another and love, and, you know, so, you know, I mean, both of us are nurses, right? So it's kind of in our DNA that you serve people. So then your own needs take second place or last place or however you want to you know, phrase that, but so it's not, it's not denial that, that I'm physically feeling this way, or I'm emotionally feeling this way, or spiritually I'm feeling this way. It's, it's choosing to, to uh, acknowledge this is how I'm feeling. And because I feel like this, this is what I need to do. I need to sing joy. There's joy, joy, joy down in my heart. You know, I know for me, I need to say, nope, Instead of do, going and doing this thing, I need to just sit with Jesus right now and say, this is how I'm feeling. Or I need to get out. Because I, there's days I feel like I can't pray. Yes. And so I have pre-written prayers that I, I pull out. You know, and it starts. And every time I usually cry. But it's, you know, Lord, re, I, I'm here because I need you to restore me and renew me today. You know, those pre-written prayers 
you know, from decades ago are, are good and centuries ago are good. And so it's, it's, it's being aware of the actual, this is what's going on in me and taking it to Jesus and saying, I need to do this because otherwise I'm going to be stuck in that miry clay. And his word tells me he brought me out of the miry clay and I'm not sticking there, you know. So denial, um, avoidance are the worst things you can do. Absolutely. So, and, and which is the typical thing, running away. Mm-hmm. So it could be painful. And, and just to be thankful for the thankful. things you have. That, yeah. To look around and see the things of beauty and not to focus on what you don't have. It, it makes the day easier. And um, sometimes it's hard to do that. You have to choose to do that. And to cling to the things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, like my birdies. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband yep. said my birds get better than some children. <laughs> um, and, and my pets. And, and um, to cling to those things, uh, mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. So it sounds to me like a lot of it, really, a lot of this whole battle is all about mind discipleship. Being discipled in your thinking, right? Well, not allowing your your think not because your your brain can run its own, it can go its own way. For us to choose what we think on, well, that, that's the Apostle Paul two thousand years ago. Right. Think on these things. Right. And and choose the, life. I was saying, I think the other important thing is, you know, you need to to do your own mind discipleship and figure out, okay, so how is this going to play out for me? What what things do I need to do? But the other thing is to not isolate yourself. You know, he created us to be in community. And um, I got choked up saying this, but there's days that I only make it because of my family or my friends. Because people show up up my house with food. Because I can't cook. You know, people that, that text me. You know, at 11 o'clock at night, and they don't know that I'm laying in bed crying. And they say, I don't know why I'm texting you, but you've just been on my heart. And so it's very, pride is a big thing for me. And the Lord is trying really hard to remove that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure it's not only my issue, because <laughs> the Bible talks a lot about pride. But pride keeps us from allowing the Lord to use other people to help us in the struggle and in the suffering. And there's a reason that he put us as part of a family and part as, a, as part of a body. Because the same way that I can try to encourage Robin and Robin can try to encourage me, um, it's, it's a two-way street, I guess is what I'm saying. You can't expect that your whole life you're going to always be the one who has it all together and is the encourager and the serving one. Because all of us at some point of our life are going to have those, those times, whether it's a physical thing that, you know, a diagnosis that you're like, I have no idea how this is going to end. You know, or it's a relationship that ended, or it's a something with a child, or it's, you know, unfulfilled dreams, or a job change, or, and the list could go on and on and on. Those are all sufferings. And, and just because there's more overt suffering that we can see with our eyes, it doesn't make it any more um, painful than the internal struggles and sufferings that are happening. And if we think that all we need is to be aware of it and acknowledge it and bring it into God's presence and 
set up our, you know, I have my stack. I have a devotion book I have. I have pre-printed prayers. And I know when I can't feel like I can't, I can go here and I can pull things. And it's taken me a long time, but now I know there's people that I can call and say, you know what, I need help. And that's not weakness. It's actually strength because it's how God intended us as Christians to live in community. And there's times that I've had no hope. And um, I've had to rely on the, the Lord's hope to hold me up. And my brothers and sisters in Christ have held me up, like, literally by the armpits uh, when I couldn't do it. Um, and I just am so thankful for that. Those tiny little bits of encouragement when you're at your uh, deepest hour are just life-sustaining. Um, Let me switch gears a little bit. Help us all out here. What do well-intentioned well people do that drives you crazy? <laughs> Relating to your suffering. What do well-intentioned Christians often, but what do well-intentioned people do that frustrates you? That doesn't make it easier for you. It makes it harder, actually. You know, people showed me a little scripture. Oh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm thinking you're not the one sitting here in the wheelchair. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So platitudes, um, yeah. easy answers. Yeah. Easy answers. When are we going to grow up and say that we're, sometimes there's just no easy answer? Yeah. And, the, and the reason we give easy answers is because we don't know what else to say, that we feel uncomfortable. Well, what else do I possibly say? You know, uh, well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Or I can say, well, it's easy to say when I'm not standing in, sitting in a wheelchair. Yeah, or, or have you tried these vitamins? Uh, your breathing would be better if you tried these vitamins. Say, say so you try these vitamins you have you tried this because that might help your breathing be better oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah of course none of the doctors knew that right yeah right. yeah <laughs> oh i i plexus might work yeah <laughs> yeah cbd right did i right. say it all cbd long? all no. those things yes um i think one thing for me is um <laughs> there's something that i just hear and i just you know nobody from here okay <laughs> i'm just saying i think they're here. being very cautious about how they answer this question yeah. um because being encouraged with scripture is good. You know, that is good. Um, but it's when people say things like, well, I know whose report I believe. And I believe God's report. After you've just sat with a doctor who said, These are, this is the reality of where you're living. I understand. I believe God can heal me. I know God can heal you. I know it. I've seen God heal my husband and heal my son. I've seen God heal other people, and I pray for healing. And I believe that nothing comes to me that hasn't already gone through his hand for me. And if this is the reality of my life right now, it's not that I'm not believing the report of God. The report of God that I'm believing is that he's never going to leave me or forsake me in it. The report that I'm going to believe is that whether I'm here or in heaven, I have hope. That, I, that God, if I'm here right now, it's because he has a plan for me to live out today. And the, the limitations that I have, he's aware of that. And so I trust him and I believe his report. But God's report isn't always that my life is going to be perfect. Or easy. And so what, I, what I'm hearing you say is, and I'm going to use this term, a hyper-spirituality that, you know, that it's such right. a simple view of God 
and that, mm-hmm. oh, I have really faith. So they're almost, we're almost making you feel condemned. Right. They're feeling you, making, mm-hmm. oh, if I, just, I, just choose, I just choose to believe God's report, which yeah. things, well, you're obviously not, so right. I'm more spiritual <laughs> than you are, which is the last thing you need when you're suffering. Right. And number one, number two, if, if Paul is right, I tend to think he is, mm-hmm. um, he grew more in suffering than not suffering. Right. So people who walk through suffering probably have a little better handle on what God's really about than people who aren't going through suffering. Right. And, you know, when this whole journey started for me, and I think I've shared this, but the Lord, you know, I, I'm very fortunate. The Lord spoke to me in a prayer time and said, I'm taking you into a season of suffering. But it scared the pants off of me because I'm like, oh, well, why are you telling me that? You know, because I've had other seasons of suffering and the Lord's never forewarned me of that. Um, so real, by the way, that she came and told me the Lord said it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in, in that journey understanding the suffering that Jesus himself went through. Suffering is not a sign of weak Christianity. If as a Christian you're suffering, it's because we're becoming like Jesus. You know, Jesus, and the thing that the Lord just kept showing me over and over through this whole thing has been, Jesus sat in the garden and wept and said, Father, if you, if this cup will pass from me, please take it. I have prayed that prayer so many times. I'm sure you have too. Say, Lord, if this can go away, please take it. And he still had a he still had to walk it out. This is for my purpose. He's just right. When it's, I thought, what have I done wrong? You know, what, what am I doing? And he said, uh, be still. Um, yeah, it was be still. This. Uh, I've seen all you can do. Now watch what I will do. This is for my purpose. And it gave me uh, just a place of, of peace, this to walk in it. It was for his purpose. Um, again, let's switch gears a little bit. What part does having a, a, a good picture of eternity play in suffering? Um, knowing, because knowing that this is not the end of the story. The end of the story is not the 60, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years that we have to live. That's not the end of the story. That's a blip on the radar screen. So what part does having a, a good picture of the, the, the creation of all things new, recreation, how does that help you? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> because we win in the end. Our victory is ours. Uh, Joel Holstein had an analogy of a basketball game that he already knew that they won. So as he's watching this game, he, he sees them get worse and worse, and they're losing and losing, but he already knew that they won. So it was easy to tolerate all, all of that loss in the, in the basketball game because he knew they won in the end. That's a beautiful picture. Think of it in a sports game, uh, the idea that no matter how down you are and how battered you get, you know the outcome. Yeah. You know the end of the game. So it's really tolerable. And, Tolerating. And how, how important is it then, um, or maybe I'm just making a statement, how, how it is so important to understand the theology of Christianity says that there's a resurrection of the body. And we, forget, we, we misunderstand a lot. People get this crazy idea about heaven, that heaven is sitting on a cloud playing a harp, some ethereal state. No, the state we're going to be in is the state that Jesus is in now. That Jesus is, in, is resurrected. Um, he, became, he became flesh. 
he was resurrected, he's still in that state. Now, it's a, different, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different form of that state because when we saw Jesus on earth, he could walk through walls, you know, and, and peer in places and even look at different forms. But he also ate fish, you know. He sat on a, on a beach and ate fish. So he's, he's still in some kind of a form, a human, human form, um, and he's the, expression, he's, the, he's the first of the resurrection, but we will follow, be like him. And so we're going to be like that. So the hope of knowing that you're going to have a resurrected body, man, that's, that's important to me, but it must feel more important as you're going through difficulty. I say bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to be singing and dancing with the ancients. Yep. Yeah. And the other 5% of the time, I'm going to make make projects and nobody's going to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to need to use uh, solid works anymore. Yeah, Somehow no. you'll have a yeah. heavenly solid works. Yes. It's going to do it all, all you're creating for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so a, the right understanding of, 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 in other words, eschatology, end times, the right understanding of, of what's, how it's all going to wrap up, that this is not the end, that saving, saving money in your 401k and, and buying the lake cottage and having all this stuff that we think is so wonderful and important right now is a blip. It's going to be gone, and then it's all of eternity. Um, and that's the important part. And I think, I think seasons of suffering do that for all of us. You know, those things that we thought were, you know, so important really just get whittled away to, one, first of all, I need Jesus to help me through this, and, and family and friends, you know, like it really just boils down to, to that. Because, like you said, we're not taking any of that with us. But when you're in a, in a time where you you really find it difficult to, to physically function, whether it's because of emotional things or physical, um, it really just boils down to, I need Jesus and, and the people that he's put around me, the community. I wouldn't have legs to work. I wouldn't have a breath. I wouldn't have a voice to sit if it wasn't for him. So uh, my whole job is to make Jesus look fantastic in what I have. Um, and in the end, uh, did we do our best? Certainly. Just so you know from an outside observer, you two have done a really good job of making Jesus look fantastic. Um, you really have. So from each of you, one kind of final thought about suffering walking through suffering. We've said a lot. What, one final thought that you have, and then we're going to end. That his love and grace are indeed sufficient uh, to face each day with courage and whatever it'll bring. I just stand in that every day. And I guess I would say, don't give up. Yes. Because you're, you're not, as much as it feels like you're alone, you're not alone. And it, especially if you have that relationship with Jesus already, being able to just invite him into that, you feel his presence. But also being part of a church community and a body of believers, let yourself be known. You know, honestly, for me, that was a lot of people didn't know for a long time because I didn't want people to know. I didn't want to be the needy one. Yeah, I have 437 mm-hmm. happy faces. Yeah, that's what we talked about. We're like, so which happy face do you have on today? You know? So, yeah, you know, be known. Be real. Because he's providing for you not just through his grace that's sufficient, but also f- through the body that he's put around you. 
And you know that in, in closing, that says a lot about um, the need for the fa church family. Um, a lot of times we have this idea that the, li the life's just about me and me and just my little circle. Me, just it's me, my wife, my kids, that's it. As long as I'm happy, we're doing good, we just run and do whatever we want to do. Um, a day's going to come for everybody in some form or another where, where we're you're in your shoes. We might, the reason that we look at suffering different for, for you guys is because um, you're not supposed to be like this at your ages. You know? But one day if we're, somebody's laying, you're, laying, you're the one laying in the bed, um, whatever it is, we all come to that point where we're suffering. And we suffer in so many other ways, other than just physical. And the reality is we need one another. And I hope this can be a call or recognition to all of us of the absolute importance it is for the body of Christ. You know, the, Jesus himself is the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell uh, will not prevail against it. There's something, and in, in his reference, he's talking against the big C church. But the big C church's global thing doesn't help you when you need, when, when your ribs are out of place and somebody else has to scrub your, your shower stall. Which, you know, we've had people come, you've had people come do that. Say, what do you need? And you said, I just can't, I can't, I can't scrub my bathroom anymore because I can't do that motion. And people have come in and scrubbed your toilets, our toilets for us. And, and actually, let me say this. This is another reason for community because I never would have asked for help. I never would have asked for help. But people from my connect group said, you're wrong. You're wrong. You are not letting us love you and help you. And I said, that's because I want to love you and help you. And so guess who comes and cleans my house every other week? So, not, so this, is a, this is why we need community. Not just so we can ask for help, but for people to come to us and say, you're wrong. And, and we, could have, we could expand this group and bring people in who have helped you guys. And they would talk about how the joy they've received from helping because it's the, they feel that's what God, how God wants them to serve. So my, thing, my point is, um, you can't help people if you don't know them. You can't know them if you think what church is, is coming to church, um, sitting in a chair, staring at the back of the head of the person, singing some songs, going home, and saying, oh, I went to church. That's going to church. There's a big difference between going to church and being the body of Christ. And I, I don't think suffering would be a great topic to say, you know, what, we are the body of Christ. And there's a joy and there's a, and there's a blessing and there's a necessity of being part of that. And that... Um, and that it's how God created us to be. You know, we are his hands and feet. He is the head. That's scriptural says. He's the head. He's the one who uses the analogy of the body. He says, we are the hands and feet. Um, and so unless we're connected together and functioning like that, we're not being Christianity. We're not being the body of Christ. And you know what? We think of it always in terms of let's reach the world. And I'm all for reaching the world. You know, there's a reason why I was a, camp, a missionary in Cambodia. But you know what? Uh, taking care of our, of our, of our body of the person sitting next to me, is just as vital. Just as vital. And what an opportunity we have to let the love of Christ, how do they say, Jesus, the, the scriptures say this, they'll know you are my disciples by your, by your great theology. Right? Is that what it said? By your what? By your love one for another. No greater love has this than somebody lay down his life for a friend. Well, that can be helping a person, um, you know, get in their wheelchair or scrubbing their toilet. And even if you don't know someone, uh, when people are in the depths of suffering, they, they can't take much. But to know, to, to just instill that you're loved, you're valuable, 
and, and there's more than this. And just those three things uh, are enough to sustain somebody for another day. And, and I'll, I'll close with this final statement. It's something that a, a pastor friend of mine when I was brand new in ministry told me this. I was a brand new pastor. I was sitting in a restaurant after a church on a Wednesday night. We'd always go out and a family got in the car. A waitress, this is the day before cell phones. So you understand there was days some of you that there was no cell phones? You couldn't get a hold of somebody? There was no such thing called a cell phone? In a restaurant, and a waitress walks up to me and says, are you Pastor Mark? I'm like, yeah. She described, the person described what I look like, and they said, you need to go make a phone call. What happened is the family got in a very serious car accident. A couple people were killed, and I had to go to the hospital, and I had never done that my whole life. I was a brand-new pastor. And I, I had a friend of mine who was a pastor for many years, and I said to him, what do I do? And he said, say nothing. I said, what? He goes, it's not about what you say. There's nothing you can say. Just sit with them. And every once in a while, maybe ask them if they, you could pray for them. That's it. Well, that was started me off 30 years ago. Whenever I go to hospitals, I usually sit with people, and I say virtually nothing. I try to let them talk, and I usually hear this. Oh, I couldn't have made it without you. And I always think, made it without me, I didn't say a word. I just sit there. And it's but just... very good at sitting it, there. I'm, <laughs> I was with somebody the other day in, in rehab. This last week, somebody's overcoming alcohol. Um, and this, they've been a raging alcoholic for years, and I was sitting at the Dewey Center last week. And the person was there, I had an hour and a half with them. I sat for an hour and a half. I didn't say a word. At the end, they go, I didn't give you one minute to talk. I said, I'm paid to talk all the time. You know, I'm just here to listen. And what happens is those people say at the end, I couldn't have made it. I'm not saying there's never a place for an encouraging word, but just your presence means a lot. When you went through all your pictures, you picked up pictures of people that were visited you. And remember that one day, we happened to be in those pictures. We were just laughing because Zinskis yes. were there. We were all laughing. You know, yes. Dave and I were looking out the window because there was deer all over outside their place. We were strategizing how we could shoot those deer outside the, the center you were in. You know, but we were just laughing. And it was no, there was, I don't even remember if we prayed. We probably yeah. didn't. We and just I, I sat just, and, and wanted you, you just yeah. to be with you. That's I was the, so discouraged having such a bad time. I had been there for so long. And, and it was just joy. It was just the great visit of joy. It just broke that fall. Yeah. Yeah. So just being with somebody yes. when they're having a hard time. You don't, because a lot of times we don't go by people because you'd say, what would I say? You don't have to say anything. Just yes. say, I love you. I'm here for you. And say this, what do you need? That's it. You don't need any more wisdom than that. You say, what do you need? So we're going to end this way. We're going to end that I'm going to lead, you gals can just stay sitting there, and I'm going to lead us as a corporate thing in praying for um, these two special ladies. But then what I'm going to do is if there are things, we're going to end, I'm going to ask you, if there's anybody who would like prayer today, um, I'm going to invite you to come forward and, and receive prayer. And I'm going to ask Suzanne and, and Robin if they would be willing to pray for people. And I'm going to, Robin, I'm just going to turn your chair right over that way. You can stay sitting right in your chair. You, or just come right up here if you want prayer. Because there's no one I would rather have, this is the truth, no one I'd rather have pray for me than these two ladies right here. No one on the planet. Because their life has caused them to have to walk close with Jesus. And, and so... We're going to pray. So I'm going to stand up. You can, ladies, stay sit, sitting there. And then I'm going to have us all stand in a minute. So you guys all join me, whole congregation. Lord, we've been talking today about suffering. 
And, and we know this, you did not create humankind to suffer. You created a world that was perfect and beautiful, and you created humanity, Adam and Eve, and you put us in the garden, and it was a place of abundance and a place of wholeness and a place of health. It was a place where we were supposed to live eternally. But you gave us as your people a choice. You said, follow my ways or, fo- or don't, and if you don't, there's going to be consequences. And you said very clearly to mankind, if you eat the fruit, meaning it was this idea of if you go against my way, that then you will die. And Lord, they, humankind chose that way, saying, I want to be like God and follow my, and, and listen to the lies of the devil. And since that day, brokenness, death has come into the world. And so Lord, each one of us is born into a world where there's this death. And Lord, it, it, it plays out differently in every one of our lives. And, and we're sitting here today with Robin and Suzanne who are living it out in a way that they never imagined they would. They never imagined they'd have chronic health issues. And Lord, but they're doing it as as they're walking through that, Lord, experiencing the reality of death and dying in the world. Lord, we see this beautiful picture where you, Jesus, came into our world and you showed us that from death springs life, that you came and you willingly died and you rose again. You didn't stay in the grave. You rose again. And Lord, you live eternally in perfection and wholeness and health. And Lord, you say that's the model of what we have. And we know this, that ultimately for Robin and Suzanne and for every one of us that know you, the picture is resurrection life, eternal life of health and wholeness. But Lord, on this earth, we also know this, that you can, you can reverse the curse. You can take the curse of death and dying and Lord, ultimately you don't. We all die eventually, but you can take it and you can reverse it in the manifestations of it in our lives that, and that, that, are, that are brokenness and that are, that, are, that are unhealth. And so Lord, right now we pray for Robin and Suzanne and, and we, we say, God, as a church family, Lord, would you heal their bodies? Lord, heal their bodies. Make Robin's joints. Give her brand new ones, Lord. Take away this pseudo-gout. He'll strengthen her back, make it straight and strong. Lord, her greatest joy is to dance and to sing before you. We pray, God, that you'd restore her and that she would dance and sing before you. Father, we pray for Suzanne, for this, for Eller Danlos and for Potts, this neurological dysfunction in her body. Lord, somehow her brain doesn't talk to her nerves right. And Lord, the doctors can figure out what it is, but they can't do anything to fix it. And so, Lord, you are the great physician, and we pray in Jesus' name that you'd reverse the curse, God. You would, you would heal these disorders, and that, Lord, her ribs and her, her manubrium and her, her clavicle would stay in place, and she wouldn't have headaches. And right now, Lord, I know she has a headache right now. Take it away. Take it away so that she can just live pain-free, and Robin can live pain-free. So, Lord, we lift these up to you very openly, very publicly. We say, God, we, op- we lift them to you and we pray, God, do what only you can do. Do a miracle today and heal these two. And Lord, we, we ask you this. Would you give us this gift that every week they'd get better? That every week, God, they'd get better. And that we'd be, we'd be amazed by you when we look at you doing a miraculous work in their lives. And that little by little, even miraculously, instantaneously, if you want, make them better so they can serve you with all their hearts. 
We trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, church?